This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because those are games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into the prime to be the role models, dreams, and voices. About to show these boys how we do it. Higher, further, faster, baby. It's not about deserve. I'm not an owl! A girl has no name. There is something supernatural at work here. It's about what you believe. Did I stop on your mom? The guardian love you, son. Now on. You do as I do. May the odds be ever in your favor. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Herring, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, I'm Amanda, and with me today is my awesome, hilarious, and full of stories of when she puked as a child co-host, Moni. Hey. I mean, hey, I have more stories of when I puked as a child, I'm sure. Can't just can't think of them. Um, but yeah, hi. <laughs> hi. How are you doing? Um... I, I I was doing great until you shared all the puke stories. Um, now I kind of regret how this conversation even happened. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm pretty okay. And why are you, you pretty okay? You feel almost responsible. No. <laughs> I feel almost, I feel almost responsible. responsible for making you like feel sick to your stomach with all of my puke stories. Like, well, I feel like almost, you didn't though. bring it up, did I? We just landed there in the flow of the conversation somehow. The flow, which is, which, yeah, I, I, I was not, I was not gonna point it out, but you did, so. <laughs> but it's, it's also a, an, a wonderful and amazing and, and, and in general, just epic day because we have a guest. We have a guest. <laughs> Where? <laughs> With us today is the one, the only, the amazing, the glorious Ed Nightingale. I tried. Hello. I'm not as good as other people. Hi, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Geek Welcome to the shit show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Genuinely, I, I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we, we are honored to have you. That's uh, that's 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 the truth. Oh, <laughs> shush. You have been our, <laughs> on our like Trello board of upcoming episodes for a very long time, and we're like, we should ask it's Ed. True. We should ask Ed. It should, this time, <laughs> this is the time. Ask Ed now. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like we were not prepared, but it's true that we talked about having you on for ages, and then we mm-hmm. took a break, and then now we're back. So. So and you're our time. first interview after our like eight month long hiatus. I'm the first. In- oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm truly honoured. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I hope I've got something interesting to say. Oh, I think you, you always will. In- yes. Exactly. Do you want to tell our listeners who you are a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm Ed Nightingale, um, known as Ed underscore Knights, um, and I am a video game journalist. Uh, on Eurogamer and also a Twitch streamer, which is how I met both of you and various other people in the chat and on online. So yeah, just writing about games, playing games and being gay on the internet. Basically <laughs> living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I can. As much as yeah. I can. I mean, it's a pretty cool 
I mean, it's just, I, I think for, for some people, it feels like some, something massively like, look at this person is like the entire life is kind of focused around all of that cool thing that we do for, for fun. Right. But I mean, it's still work. <laughs> it's definitely still work. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, I'm really lucky that I do something that I love for my job and, and an area that I'm really interested in. Um, but it's still work. You know, my, my previous work was was in the music industry and I loved music and fell out of love with music because I worked in it and it became work. Mm. So mm. I'm hopeful that, that doesn't happen with gaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Everything really hard. Where, where does the person, where does the job start and the fun and like where does the job end and the fun start like when is it a hobby and when is it work mm -hmm. so i feel like it must be really difficult the the line is at about five o'clock um <laughs> when i will move <laughs> from this seat to the seat in the lounge where i will then just start playing playstation which is kind of work but also fun so yeah i don't know <laughs> cool <laughs> um Shall we move into our rapid fire round and we'll just shout questions at you and you answer them as quickly as you can? Okay, let's go. Let's focus. <laughs> it's Where not, are you it's from? Not... London. Well, not originally, you... but I live here now. Okay. Oh, good answer. I'll take it. What are your pronouns? He, him. And when are you a geek since? So a year, maybe a story of a first geeky experience? Oh, I mean, if we're talking video game geeks, then I've been a geek since I was six, seven, when I first got a Sega Master System uh, with Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was Sega person. Yeah, I was obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, so that was me. I, I used to draw pictures of Sonic all the time. I wrote stories about Sonic. I had Sonic t-shirts. Um, like Aww. Sonic was my life. So yeah, that was what, six, seven, something like that. And that's what got me into, into gaming. Aww. You wrote stories about Sonic. That's adorable. Sonic the comic. Exactly. Sorry. That was Tom in chat. Um, yeah, I used to read <laughs> Sonic the comic. Um, nice. love that. I had so many, so many editions of that on my, on my bookshelf. Aww. Amazing. Tom is also a massive Sonic fan, so you guys can geek out about it sometime. Absolutely. Um, and what are some of your biggest influences? So you can think like books, movies, TV shows, teachers, games, anything else that comes to mind? Ooh. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess in terms of gaming stuff, um, like I've always loved fantasy um, and also sci-fi. I think... That, I mean, and that's the same when it comes to like TV, film, books, everything like that's I I love those things for escapism. You know, I don't want to read about real life because that's boring. <laughs> I want to go to a fantasy land in the future or the past or whatever and, you know, and escape and, and be someone else. Um, so anything like that, you know, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, um, those sorts of things like gaming wise, it's Zelda, it's Final Fantasy um that's the kind of stuff that i that i love me too do you have a favorite <laughs> like, top favorite like what would you pick out as like this is it this is my favorite thing ever 
Um, I know it wasn't on the list. I'm just throwing you in it. I am tempted to say The Hobbit because, and I hate the film, by the way. The film is absolutely dreadful, um, but it's probably my favorite book. And I love that it's kind of like a kid's fairy tale, but also for adults. And I just feel like Tolkien is just like the daddy of fantasy. Like everything that we know of in terms of gaming and films and (laughs) like, you know, D&D and all that kind of stuff. It all ultimately comes back to Tolkien in some way. Um, So I think for that reason, I just I love him as a writer. He's not always the easiest writer to read. Um, so I, I, oh, so the the Hobbit is really easy. I've reread that many Mm -hmm. times. Lord of the Rings I've read once and it is dense, um, and really hard. I tried to read the Silmarillion once and really, really struggled. Um, but that's why I love the Hobbit because it is easier to read and understand. And I just think it's a really fun fairy story. Mm -hmm. I really like it as well. Um, but I do like the movie. I'm sorry. I'll see myself I just, out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish it had been one really strong movie. I don't mm. like that they split it into a trilogy because, I like, agree. the last chapter is one film. I'm like, no, <laughs> there's just so much padding in it, and the way they tried to link it back to Lord of the Rings really irritated me. I just wanted it to be one good standalone film, and then I would have loved it. That would have been good. I agree. Are we talking okay, about the Hobbit question. now? Yeah. Yeah, I just—it's just really fucking annoying when they drag out films just so that they fucking trilogies, even if it's not necessary. Sorry. Yeah, just to throw no, that in there. Right. <laughs> like, it's because the sole reason they fucking do it is so that they can make more money, and it's just annoying. Yeah, I mean, the latest one for that is the Wicked film that's based on the the musical, and yeah. that's being split into two films. And I'm like, why? It's not that exactly. long. you can easily do that as one film and the fact that they're a year apart is there's such a long wait why just do it like after a couple of months or something exactly it's also just and it's just because it's so obvious that it's only for money reasons Mm -hmm. it's what's annoying me more like if there would be other reasons why it would make some kind of sense i would be okay but like this year kind of wait when they obviously all have, have it all done already and, and it's just all for money reasons and it's just fucking annoying. But anyway. Yeah, completely. <laughs> That's a slide. And last question of our rapid fire round. What are some of your current geeky pastimes? Oh, um, well, I mean, gaming is always a geeky pastime for me at all times. Um, I, I guess streaming as well is my current geeky pastime, which is sort of a new, new ish thing for me. Um, since last August, I want to say something like that, that least I've been streaming on my own. Um, and so, yeah, I guess slowly getting into streaming and understanding streaming culture and community and meeting people, um, and then going to TwitchCon in a couple of months' time, um, sort of preparing for that. I think streaming is a really good way of finding a geeky community, of doing the stuff you love, be it gaming or talking about gaming or whatever else, and meeting people. Um, I Yeah, I've grown to really love Twitch, which a couple of years ago I had no idea what it was. And now it's really become quite a big, quite a big part of my life now, I think. Mm-hmm. 
I think that can be said for me and Moni as well. <laughs> the way it's just Ain't that the truth? cemented itself in our lives, especially Moni. That was a, like, me. I feel all bits called out here. <laughs> no, it was me. It was like you are very much more involved, and I've kind of taken a step back yeah, because but, I. But now that my stream has stopped streaming so regularly, I feel like <laughs> I'm floating around in space, <laughs> which is no, which is no, which is no shade or whatever, which is totally fine. But I'm this like if you lose that anchor point, then it gets weird. Mm. But obviously, everything else is totally subscribed to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that Twitch brought us all together. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very Absolutely. true. Twitch brings all sorts of people together. And it's In people all from all around the world ways. as well. Exactly. And <laughs> it's lovely that with something like TwitchCon, it's literally people from from all around the world who are all coming together in one place, which is great. Um yeah, I'm excited to uh to meet everyone. Me, Me too. too. I don't think I will be able to emotionally deal with it, but me too. <laughs> because this will definitely be the first time after, what, two and a half years, three years? I don't even mm. fucking know. To see people. Too long. Mm -hmm. And I'm already overwhelmed thinking about it. <laughs> like, just because I'm like, it feels like this is something I've been waiting forever. Like, which is not true. It's just me being over dramatic and, and exaggerating. And now it's happening. And I'm like, where do I put all, all the emotions that I've carried for two and a half years? It's going to be great. Also, but, two days just isn't long enough. Like, there are no, so many people that I want to see, no. so much to cram in. I'm like, two days is not long enough. Which means we'll just have to do it again. It's true. It's true. And I would like uh, to formally request that Moni arrives uh, and meets the Belfast contingent at the airport um, with a sign. What? Listen. <laughs> wow. I mean, this is a dig at me right now because, and I will have to tell the story, because when we met again, in, was it Budapest the first time we met? Yes, it was. Yeah. So the first time Amanda, Tom, and I met was in Budapest. I was there with a car because it's not like super fucking far away from me. And I offered to pick them up from the airport, right? So, but what I also hadn't planned was to make a welcome sign, which I took everything with me and then we painted, I drew it in the apartment that I had and it kind of took me too long to draw it. And then I was late. <laughs> So they were already waiting there, and I just ran with 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 the sign to the thing, and they didn't even see it. And it had a, an amazing cow on it, and it did everything, but they didn't even see it. Yeah, because they're the thankful cow is their business name, so I drew like a cow on it and all, and they never saw it. And then they were they 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 are offended because I was late, but I was only late because. Traffic was shit in Budapest, and it took me too long to finish that fucking sign that they never saw. I mean, Moni, if you could meet everyone with a sign, that would be great. I've always wanted to be one of those people that gets off a plane that's like, 
Mr. Nightingale, we're waiting for you. And I'm like, yes, that's for me. You like, know that my sign like was not, not like an A4 paper kind of it sign. Was it was like, like this proper whiteboard, <laughs> white paper kind of sign. So my only issue with that is, number one, don't tempt me. And number two, well, that just got me thinking. Never mind. <laughs> I'm tempting you, Bonnie. You okay. will be tempted. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, we should get back to the reason that we're here, I guess. Which is, in, in reality, is just to talk with Ed, because Ed's great. But we do have a reason why we have Ed here. Mm-hmm. What is it, Moni? Oh. Tell us. Sorry, I was just distracted because Tom was giving me pointers, and I'm like, hmm, what ideas does he have? Never mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um... So we have you on because number one, you're amazing. And number two, you're, as you've mentioned before, don't look like that. It's true. Take a compliment. Man. <laughs> I, I cannot take compliments. I'm British. I can't do it. <laughs> going to make you feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and as you've mentioned before, you're like a games journalist and you're gay and in your stories and in the articles you write, you focus a lot uh, on diversity and inclusivity and all the, all the good things and all the things that we need. So tell us maybe how you, why you wanted to become a games journalist, how your journey was to that and how you ended up where you are now. Um, a long journey, I guess. Um, I mean, I feel like I, I came to games journalism quite late um i feel like it's something that a lot of people jump into you know quite young from from university or something like that um you know gaming as an industry is generally aimed at younger people so i feel like games journalists tend to be a bit younger whereas my background is actually in music more than anything um i was i mean talking about geeky stuff you know i was the music geek back at school i was in every choir i was in every orchestra every band um i did not have a lunchtime or an afternoon free that wasn't music related um because i was singing and everything and playing guitar and flute and whatever else so i from there went to university and did music and then i did a master's in music and drama And then I moved to London and started working in the music industry. And I did that for 10 years. Um, And not ukuleles, though, unfortunately. (laughs) They were not... uh, That's not what I went for. (laughs) Did you say unfortunately? I feel I heard unfortunately here. uh, There was no unfortunateness (laughs) about it. Ukuleles Um, are awesome. Well, come on, Ed. Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) about ukuleles there is a wonderful clip of you praising them then it's been said i can't possibly say that again it's true because you were probably a bottle of Um, wine in (laughs) exactly (laughs) um so yeah so i wanted to work in the music industry and it kind of made sense to me from from my background to say right i'm going to work in music um that's what i what i really loved um But what I also did when I started that, or just before I started that, was I started a blog um, when I was living in Manchester after my master's. um, And once I moved to London, I carried that on. And basically, I was bored and I wanted something to do. 
and I started watching films and reviewing them, and I started listening to music and reviewing it, and put it all on a blog. Um, and then when I moved to London, I started doing a lot more um, theatre reviewing. Um, London has a really thriving fringe theatre scene. Like pretty much ev almost every other pub in London has like a black box theatre upstairs that you can go and watch fringe theatre in. And I went round and started reviewing them all, got free tickets, eventually got some West End shows and got to review them. Um, and actually that's really where I sort of cut my teeth on reviewing really was, was writing about theatre more than anything. Um, and I think I was always interested in gaming, but I never saw that as sort of serious journalism in a way. You know, I was always looking at ways of writing about music or ways of writing about theatre, because um, that's what I'd done, you know, growing up. Um, and things kind of took a change when I decided to take things a little bit more seriously. I was actually made redundant from a job, and because I'd been in it for a few years, I got a nice little payout from it. So I thought, right, I'm going to invest that in something useful. So I put it towards a journalism qualification, which I did part-time for a year. And sorry, I feel like I'm talking through my CV now. Um, oh, I but it. I did that I for a year, um, which was a, an NCTJ. Don't ask me what that stands for. National <laughs> something training and journalism, I think. Um, National so I got that. training and journalism. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I just went through it and got the qualification and <laughs> ran away. Um, so I did that <laughs> for a year. And then from there, carried on working in music, but started doing freelancing and games journalism. Because um, I just thought, you know, what, what, am I, what am I interested in? Actually, I'm interested in gaming. So why not write about that? Um, and my, my first published article was in Kotaku, or Kotaku UK, Ooh. which no longer exists. Um, which... I've actually got it framed because I'm a loser. Slash, my, no. my friend did it for me. Oh, that's so this so was the article cool. I did. So cute. Which is Aww. in defense of Final Fantasy 14, uh, 15's chapter 13. Which is... Um, if anyone's played Final Fantasy 15, it's not a great game. And chapter 13 is absolutely terrible. But I wrote a sort of incendiary piece saying that I thought it was great. Which was a total lie. Um, <laughs> but it... it <laughs> It got noticed. Um, so, so that was for Kotaku, and that was nice. And then I thought, right, I need to do more freelancing. I need to build on this. Um, and I was really struggling for ideas of what to write about. Because gaming's such a huge topic. People think, oh, you're a games writer, you know about everything. But, like, that it's such a huge topic. You know, just because I write about gaming doesn't, know, doesn't mean that I know about all of the top games and play everything. Like, you know... It, film journalists or music journalists they specialize in one area you know mm. gaming seems so broad um there's no way you can do everything so i was thinking okay well what's my what's my niche um you know what what, what can i do here and i just thought well what am i interested in you know i'm interested in gaming i'm gay i like drag queens what can i do with that and i basically just thought fuck it i'm gonna pitch to the guardian so I pitched to The Guardian a piece called Chante You Play, which was about the drag queens of gaming. Um, and I interviewed four different drag queens who were involved in gaming a different way, two of which were Twitch streamers. So there was Dia and Drag Trashly. And that essentially introduced me to Twitch because um, I had no idea what Twitch was. I thought, why do you want to watch people play games? I'd rather play games myself than watch someone else's <laughs> terrible gameplay. And I've since realised that it's way more than just that. 
but back in the day that's what I thought it was mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of got me you know into into the sort of LGBT gaming scene really and I realized well hang on that's that's my niche and I got there because I guess ultimately I just embraced who I am and I thought I'm just you know they say write about what you know and I thought well this is what I'm interested in and you know I got to a point where I had come out and embraced my sexuality and was like I'm going to put that into my work and that just introduced me to this whole sort of LGBT gaming niche and from there I was like I'm going to ride this wave (laughs) and I started writing for gaming magazine Um, that's when I then had a column interviewing Twitch streamers um, and gradually that led me to writing for Pink News and now for Eurogamer where you know I, I bring a lot of that diversity with me um despite being a white man still um you know i'm very much interested in diversity and inclusion um that's stuff that i was really involved in 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 my previous job um working in the music industry i was the the chairperson of the lgbt society and was really heavily invested in dni um so i just thought you know what i'm going to bring that to my writing and and bring that out there so yeah i guess ultimately i got to where i am because it it took a long time to get there but i just kind of embraced who I am and decided to put that into my writing and then that really helped me that was a really long answer <laughs> sorry as if one yeah, could sorry. I, I, I thought I couldn't like you anymore but here we are <laughs> yeah, honestly <laughs> oh god why are you the best <laughs> this is so interesting it's such an interesting thought like such an I feel this is such a wonderful summary of of one like being some kind of multi-potentialite right because like you know a lot of things you can do a lot of things you're interested in a lot of things and you combine the things into one and make this your unique superpower kind of thing right and i just think it's it's just a such a wonderful wonderful story thanks it took a lot of hard work and and depression to get there (laughs) like banging your head against the wall being like I really want to do this and I'm just freelancing and I'm not happy in my main career and I want to make my second career my main career and how do I do that and you know having to uh, take a pay cut to to do what I actually want to do because it makes me happy despite not earning as much and it's been a long journey but I am very happy with where I am now Yeah, that, says you're, you're inspiring, and I agree. Yeah, Aww. thank you. And it's just then. I mean, you're just getting freaking started, right? Like, I feel, like I feel part of the well, part of the journey. We've known each other in a way, right? Because when we knew each other, you were still not actually work. Well, when we got to know each other, you were not actually working at Pink yet. So I feel like, like part of, and so so this is really the beginning of 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 your journey right now, right? and it's just. Yeah, it was it was the start of last year that I started a pink. So it's only been, I guess, almost a year and a half that I've been full time in games journalism. I've been freelancing before that for a good three, four years. So yeah. it was a really slow build to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I, I tend not to look backwards, but sometimes you do look backwards and you realize that step and that journey of, of how that actually happened, which is kind of nice to nice to think about but i feel if you look backwards you see i feel it gives you some kind of perspective also that it, when you look back at the times where you felt so shit right and everything was and then you think how can i ever get out of this and then 
look late so look like a couple of months later everything is different and you're in a totally different place and with totally different people and do totally different things and then you thought you would never get out of this spot because it's so horrible but that was like part and the part of what you of what you needed to then get to to the place that you're now so i feel like yes looking back can be dep- can be sad but it can also show you look look i needed this to get to here yeah absolutely Um, so what are some of the, the topics that you've been writing about for Pink News and for Eurogamer that are more in the diverse and inclusive issues? Yeah, I, I mean, with, with Pink, pretty much everything, it's a, it's an LGBT publication. So pretty much everything I did, um, you know, was geared towards that community, um, and my freelance writing was sort of geared towards that as well. I think I have branched out a little bit more um, into, I guess, general diversity and inclusion. Um, I sort of hate that as a phrase because diversity feels like it's picking out difference and actually it's about bringing people together. Um, But I think, you know, one of the things that I love most about being a writer and being a journalist is having a platform for other people. So I love hearing other people's stories and I want to hear people's stories from, you know, marginalized communities and minority communities and people that are different, that have something interesting to say. And if I can use my job and my position to give those stories a platform, then that's really interesting to me because I find their stories inspiring and I feel privileged to be able to to write about that. Um, so it's those kind of things that I try and pick out, um, whether that be writing about... Um, the LGBT community uh, in gaming or whether that be, um, you know, misogyny on Twitch or, um, you know, the black Twitch community or, um, you know, accessibility is a really big issue at the moment in gaming. So, you know, what can I do to write about that? Um, So they're all areas that I've tried to write about because I just think it's interesting. I don't want to read another story about the latest straight white bro Call of Duty player. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, I want to read about someone who's doing something to make a difference and that's inspiring. Um, and I want to be able to inspire others by writing about their story. So they're generally the topics that I'm drawn to. Um, and I want to be able to write about what I'm interested in, which is nice. They're good to read as well. Thank you. So. <laughs> I do feel you have a remarkable writing style to be honest mm-hmm. and I'm not actually a words person but I feel like it, it's just like great to read your articles thank you I mean I <laughs> I don't I really enjoy the process of writing but a lot of the time when you're writing like an interview feature I'm, I'm just copying and pasting um people's words that they've said (laughs) i'm like i'm just filling in the dots and for me i i want my writing to be as sort of concise and as minimal as possible and that's for the sake of being clear because that's good journalism you want to tell a story you want to get to the point but also i want that other person's words to shine it's not about me it's about their story so i want their quotes and their words to shine more than mine but you say that it, you're just doing that, but it's that like you say that from the standpoint of 
this being your profession and knowing how to do it and what you do, right? But it needs skill to storytell like this, right? So you can just, it, there's a different, number one, you need to ask the right questions to get the right answers. So that's a skill. Then number two, you need to put all the answers you got together in a way that it also makes sense and that it tells a fucking story, right? So it's not that you just put words from other people on a paper and then you're like, well, I just wrote end and the and that's it and made a bunch of like quotation marks or whatever shit, um, which is... <laughs> isn't true um and it's because and it's always when like as the professionals in the profession it always seems so trivial when it's not but everybody else wouldn't be able to a lot of other people not everybody else but a lot of other people and most other people would not be able to do what you do they would not be able to ask the questions that you ask and do the things you do so it's not just that it's because you're a fucking badass Thanks, go. money. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I say so. <laughs> Money always likes to make our guests very uncomfortable with the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's working. <laughs> so moving swiftly well, forward, to I'll ask you a pre-prepared question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> what value do you feel like your work is bringing to the games industry? None. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lies. <laughs> um, I like to think I can bring some value. I like to think that I am highlighting, you know, through highlighting those marginalized people and smaller stories, it's, you know, it's, it's making change. Um, that's, one of the things that I like about writing for Eurogamer is that it's it's a specialist gaming site, but the audience is 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 pretty broad and has a broad range of people. Um, so I'm not just writing as I have in in previous pieces. You know, I'm I'm not writing LGBT pieces for LGBT people who you know you're preaching to the choir. Um, it's nice to write stories for a broad range of people and to try and educate people a little bit and, and highlight minority stories. Um, sometimes the comments are terrible. Um, I've had awful comments in my DMs. But also when you see positive comments and you see a small amount of change, um, that's lovely. That's a great feeling. And I, I wish I could bottle that and keep it forever. Um, you know, and I think I think the games industry needs to change a lot um i think games journalism needs to change a lot and if i can write about these more diverse topics to try and highlight these people and try and instigate a bit of change then i'm really happy with that i mean that's what we do as journalists is you highlight stories and you pick out things that maybe need to change um yeah, as Jinx said, you know you're doing well when the haters come out in force. <laughs> you know, the number of times I've written about women or, you know, the queer community of some of, in some way and people just write awful things. Um, and that sort of fires me up to write about it more and think, well, if you don't like that, I'm going to keep writing it because it's important. And I'm going to keep mm. writing it until you realise that it's important. Um, yeah, I think... I think the games industry needs to do a lot of change. Um, and there are a lot more of these stories coming out recently. I mean, you know, the whole Activision Blizzard thing from last year was obviously massive. There are all these stories coming out of, 
you know, abuse and, and things in the industry, which is terrible. And, you know, I think gaming is a very young medium compared to other areas, you know, music, theatre, film, we've discussed. Um, gaming is very young. And a lot of these big companies started out as just a load of straight white bros in a garage coding a game. And they found success and their companies grew and they didn't really know how to handle that. And they still have that core of this like frat boy culture um, in the core of their company. And as they've grown and more people have joined, they don't know how to handle that. And that's finally coming out that they actually have, you know, they need proper HR <laughs> departments mm-hmm. and, and proper systems to support people. Um, and I think, you know, once, once people in these studios become more diverse or all these studios become more diverse with more people that's going to have a knock-on effect to the actual games but we're not going to see a change in the games that we're able to write about and the people that we're able to see in these games until the industry itself changes and the people making them and if that's Mm -hmm. continuously just straight white bros that's all we're going to see so you know if i can highlight these topics and interrogate these topics and try and tease these things out a little bit more then I like to think that I can make a bit of a difference, even just as one lowly journalist on a on a publication. But, you know, I think journalism itself is changing. There are more diverse writers that are interested in these topics. Um, you know, the, the fact recently we had the Gaming Magazine Awards, which is awards mm-hmm. devoted to LGBT gaming. It's great that we've got that there and we've got that representation. Um, and I think we just need to keep keep doing that. And that's what I really want to try and push in my writing I mean newspapers have always been part of I mean education is maybe a tough word but it's like developing people's opinions in a way or, or assisting in developing people people's opinions and a lot of newspapers obviously have like horrible influence on how they're doing it right so I feel and it's not that you just write about it it's so necessary because it's especially just because it's in the gaming scene doesn't mean it's not actually a part of forming culture and how it works right because you need it needs to be visible in a way for people to see it and for for it to become for people to become more aware of issues and if nobody writes about it then it's just like hidden under the carpet and we just don't talk about it. So I think it's just really, really important. And it's not just, I'm just writing my articles and people read it and whatever. Yeah. I think, I think that's the interesting thing with games journalism is that journalism as a whole, you know, newspapers, it's where you get your information from. It's about, you know, you have your sources and you, you lay out the facts and people learn from that. And Mm -hmm. there are going to be biases because of the writers but that ultimately is where you get your stuff from. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to gaming, it's immediately like gaming isn't political. Um, why are you writing about this? This isn't interesting. You know, it's it's all these, you know, gamer bros who just want to hear the facts of what, you know, the latest Fortnite character is or whatever. They don't want to read about games being political and everything's political, but every so ga- suck exactly, it up and deal every- with it. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing, right? Everything is political. Like every... Every mu- piece of music is political, every piece of television, every piece of cinema, every piece of, of whatever, theatre, all of these 
mediums are political and they tell stories they tell stories of other people they tell stories of other things and and all of that is political and cultural in a way right so even when are like i'm not interested in this entertainment section uh, sector of life or whatever and i just read autobiographies and i still I'm, 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 i'm thinking well but you don't see a lot of other areas that like help you educate yourself in a different way and see other things in a different way because you can pack so many things in so many different so many stories and so many journeys into all kinds of entertainment and especially i feel in games it's incredible how you can like make some things more graspable that's not the word but like more easier for people to understand even though they're not personally affected by certain things so it's just an amazing medium to 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 also deliver all kinds of news and 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 change and and different perspectives of people and life and groups and whatever yeah i mean gaming is so immersive and as we said earlier you know i, I like things that are escapism and sometimes okay, maybe you don't want escapism to be political. But equally, if you could put me in the position where, I don't know, I can play as Lara Croft, I can I can be a woman, and I can go and explore tombs, why the hell not do that? Like, that's amazing mm-hmm. that I can mm-hmm. be somebody else. Um, I don't want to be myself or, or someone like me. I want to be mm-hmm. someone different. Mm-hmm. Now we're also seeing games companies, like today, um, Bun... I'm going to say this right. Is it Bungie or Bungie? The ones that produce it. Bungie, thank you. Um, they tweeted today uh, standing up for women's reproductive rights and why it, like, it's so important um, you know, to support women and, and bodily autonomy and everything. And there's been you know, a lot of pushback on this tweet, like, stay to games, stick to games. And they just keep, their social media managers and, like, PR people are doing fantastic with this, but they keep coming back and saying, like, women's rights, we have women that work for us, we want them to have their rights, like, and also, like, women, women's rights are human rights. And, like, they just keep saying this, and they're like, but gaming is political. We need to talk about this stuff. And, like, I, I just think it's really great that more companies are just standing up for what's right yeah, and yeah. talking mm. about it in a climate where like yeah maybe historically it hasn't been something super talked about or i don't know and it, it's just i agree change needs to happen and this is how it starts is by people talking about it yeah again i think it, it kind of comes back to gaming being a very young medium and the original gaming reviews were done as pieces of technology you know, I remember reading reviews where it was dividing everything up into graphics, sound, gameplay, and you got a score for each of those things. And it's not considering the context of what is mm. this as a thing? Um, you know, what are the designers trying to say? Because, you know, they might have chosen, you know, a woman as their lead character. That's political. Um and people didn't see that back in the day. It was just, oh, this is a piece of entertainment and it's techie for teenage boys sat drooling in a bedroom somewhere and that's not what gaming is now it's a huge Mm. billion dollar industry that's bigger than anything else so of Mm. course it's going to be seen as being political um and journalism has caught up to that but the readers of journalism haven't all caught up to that Mm. um which then means it's a bit of an uphill battle sometimes with with some of the writing that i'm trying to push Mm. but also people have nothing better to do than to hate on comments on the internet um, 
really pathetic anyway. So they and they just I feel like Many if you favorite pastime. Yeah. If you have nothing better to do than to ruin somebody's day by being a wanker, then why the fuck are you even? Like, you know, like there's no benefit to nothing. Agreed. Like, like, like. Agreed. Just, I don't know. Look at the sky or do whatever. Go outside or, and I'm saying that be sitting at home my, all my day. Favorite, but I, like, my favorite insult was uh, that I heard recently was go outside and touch grass. I was like, that is great, because it's actually like, go outside, get away from the computer, and like, ground yourself, but also just like, yeah. play with the grass, because you need some grass time, <laughs> yeah. except for Ed. Ed does not need any grass time. <laughs> I need a screen break. That's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So have you seen some of yeah. the positive impact from what you're writing about? Like, have you seen that in action? Um... No, I mean, <laughs> I think, I mean, from what we were just saying in terms of comments, like it's, I mean, it's me personally focusing on the negative, but also it's always the loudest, the negative voices are often the loudest ones. Mm -hmm. So it's often the, those negative comments that you're like, oh, that's the one that gets to me. Um, and I need to teach myself not to see that. But whenever you do see just nice comments and nice feedback, that's the best feeling. Um, you know, some pieces I've done, I did one that was, I spoke to Moni and I spoke to um, a streamer called Cosimed about asexuality in gaming. And that was a topic that no one is writing about, no one's interested in. And, you know, I think the people I spoke spoke to, not to speak for you, Moni, but the people <laughs> I spoke to, I think were really happy to see that representation and to see that out there yeah. um, and to highlight something that is a real minority. Um, or, you know, I wrote about um, Black Twitch UK and I got to meet... Geeky Cassie and Ebonix recently who were like, thank you for writing about that. You know, we really appreciate seeing us, you know, online in Eurogamer. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's not down to, you know, me or one person to, to make big change in the industry. I think collectively as journalists, we can start to generate, you know, change um, as, has, as has been done in a lot of reporting recently. Um, but yeah, a, a few bits of nice feedback is always appreciated. And always nice to see. And then having Moni compliment me. <laughs> as long as it's not to your face. <laughs> yeah, just do it behind my back. That's fine. I can write you, you a letter. hear what she says about you when you're not here. <laughs> what do I, I say when that. he's not here? <laughs> well, I, I, won't, I won't tell him. Okay. Further. <laughs> he's already um, feeling so uncomfortable. So we had a question in chat that I think Ooh. pairs really well with... Um, a question that we have here and it comes from uh mr Millhill, and he wants to know what's the worst article that you have ever written in your own opinion oh oh um i mean i've written a lot of trash sure um you know sometimes there's just something you have to write because it's good for seo you know that google's going to pick it up it's not very exciting but you have to just get it done um, or sometimes, you know, you write a news story that you think, oh, that's not going to do very well. I won't put any thought into it. And you just whack it out quickly. And obviously that's the one that gets loads of views. <laughs> and then I write something that I put loads of time and effort into in a really in-depth interview and it doesn't get the views. And you're like, okay, well, where's my priority here? Um, but for me, it's more important to focus on what I'm passionate about. And even if it doesn't get views, 
if people at least give me nice feedback or, you know, my editors say good job or friends say to me, oh, I really enjoyed that article, then that's what's important to me. So honestly, off the top of my head, I can't think of like anyone that is particularly bad. I mean, obviously they're amazingly written, all of them. <laughs> um, but some Look of the topics might not be the most... Yeah. I'm learning. Some of the topics <laughs> might not be the most interesting you know sometimes you've got something that's just really dry like it's it's a really like techie businessy kind of thing and you're like oh i'll just whack that out whatever fair very uh diplomatic answer i like (laughs) (laughs) i tried (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then um our last question is uh what is your favorite article that you've written and why is it about lady d (laughs) (laughs) i mean that was a very fun article i say that there were many lady d articles multiple (laughs) multiple um yeah it was kind of it was the meme um so you know it was uh, riding that wave of how can we get as many views as possible um but yeah i did write one um that was interviewing um gemma um, and we we talked about a lot of S and M kink stuff of being stepped on, and what would actually happen to you if you were stepped on by Lady D, and that was a very insightful conversation. <laughs> um, partly like because of the kink stuff, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, you know, part, partly because of the kink stuff, and that's that's always you know fun to to talk about, but also about you know the sort of dominating women in horror um you know there's a whole past of that and and this game sort of linking into that was a really interesting idea um and a couple of months ago i then got to interview maggie robertson who was the 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 actress who played lady d and i got to actually sort of pull all of those articles together into one interview which which was great i was i was really proud of that um is that my favorite maybe maybe um like I've written a few that I'm particularly proud of. Um, and I guess back to your previous point of, of sort of seeing change. I mean, I, I wrote one article that was about Pepe the Frog and why you shouldn't use that emote in Twitch because it's a symbol of the far right or the extreme right. And what was lovely was then seeing that shared around Twitch and people saying like, so here's why you shouldn't use it. And people literally using that as education and that was really lovely to see. Um, so stuff like that was is, is great. And, and I like to sort of see the difference that that makes a little bit. Um, I actually wrote a few up here. I put them up on my screen to remind myself. Because, again, I never looked backwards. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I've actually written quite a few that, yeah. that I was quite happy with them. Um, I mean, that Guardian one was... I was pleased just with the headline, to be honest. That kind of made... If, if it wasn't for Shantae you play, that would not have got through. It was purely down to the headline <laughs> that that, that got published. That was a great headline. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the asexual one I mentioned was really good. Um, I wrote one um, for Eurogamer last year. Um, I interviewed another streamer called Rudism, who is a streamer from New Zealand. And he does a lot of tinkering with peripherals. Um, I actually wrote a news piece about him earlier this week. He's taken a Fisher-Price toy controller 
and turned it into an actual working Xbox controller. So it's got like oh, funny I've buttons and sound effects that. and stuff like that. And he's modded it internally so he can literally play like Elden Ring with this controller. Um, and so he does all these weird modifications and stuff. And he played the entirety of Dark Souls 3 with one button. So he literally made a button and it was all done through Morse code uh, to, to control what was going on. And obviously Dark oh, Souls shit. is known as incredibly difficult. It's known as not accessible. And he basically play, played this game as a joke, but also to highlight accessibility and him saying, look, if I can play this game with one button, then game makers can make much better peripherals that are accessible to people because yeah. so much of gaming is tied to a mouse and keyboard or a controller that is designed for able-bodied people. And that's not accessible for everyone. And actually, if we had more you know, input methods, it would be accessible to so many more people. And something like Dark Souls that is notoriously difficult, yes, that's partly the challenge of the game. But for some people, it's the challenge of just using a controller. And mm. if he can do that with one button, then why can't we come up with other ways of doing it? Um, and that's a really kind of incendiary argument for a lot of people in the Dark Souls community. But, you know, <laughs> accessibility is such a hot topic at the moment that I was mm. really privileged to be able to sort of, you know, talk about what he's done and, and, and sort of highlight accessibility in games. That's something that is really important. Um, I wrote a similar piece about accessibility in Twitch, um, which is, is really interesting for streamers and how, you know, we should be thinking about these things as streamers, um, about what we can do to make our streams more accessible. Um, but what is it like as a, as a disabled streamer? And it's things like, yeah, it might be physical disabilities about, um, you know, how how you access games. What games can you even play on stream? Because there might not be accessibility options. Um, or it might be that maybe you have a chronic illness that means that actually you really struggle to, to stream regularly. And when so much of streaming is about being regular, um, mm. having a schedule, um, and sometimes you have, you, you know, maybe you're disabled and you're not able to do that. And that's tricky. And maybe you get passed up on sponsorship deals because of that. And that sucks. <laughs> um, you know, what can we do as streamers? Maybe we can, it's, it's little things like having closed captions on, um, or things like when you start a game and if it's a brand new game, go into the options and show this is what's there, um, in the accessibility options of the game, because maybe there are disabled people watching that are interested in, oh, actually I wouldn't have played this, but if I can see that you, there are accessibility options, and I can watch your stream and see that in the options, maybe I'm more inclined to play it. So there are so many little things you can do to help disabled people play games. And that, I think, is just really exciting and really interesting um, and is an area that, you know, I think needs to be pushed. So any writing that I can do in, in, that, er in that kind of area, I think, is great. Um, so I'm really proud of that stuff. Um, and then, like, more recently, like, I guess I was able to go to the BAFTAs. So I'm really pleased that, um, you know, I got to go to the BAFTAs and, and speak to people and, you know, I got some really nice interviews from that. I got to speak to the unpacking devs. I got to speak to the, the chicory devs, um, all about like mental health in their game, which again is another topic that's really important. Um, I got to speak to Jane Perry, who, um, was the voice actress of Celine and Returnal. And we were speaking a lot about, um, the representation of like older middle-aged women in gaming, which is just not seen enough. Um, and it's something that is, is great that they were able to do that in that game. So it was exciting for me to be able to go to the BAFTAs, but also to 
talk about topics that are more sort of about marginalized people um, and were really exciting for me to be able to talk about those things. So yeah, those sorts of things are the sort of articles that I'm really proud of. So to answer your question, there is not one, but there are <laughs> lots of topics that I am really proud to have been able to write about. And that's the stuff that I really want to keep championing. Like Thanks that. for doing the work. <laughs> I try. We need more people <laughs> like you in all, in all areas of life, to be honest, not just in games journalism. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Thank well, you so much. That was our last prepared question. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Not that I prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Prepara- preparation what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but first where can people find you when they look for you uh, you can find me at ed underscore knights with an n uh, on twitch and on twitter and i always say with an n because the number of people who spell nightingale with a k i'm like no it's yeah. not a knight in shining armor it's the bird <laughs> it's the it's the bird <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, cool. We'll put all that information and a link to your muck, mud, what is it? Muckrack. <laughs> muckrack. So, yeah, muck rack. that. People are always We're like, going to put that? a link to that. <laughs> it's basically a journalism portfolio site. So, that like scrubs the internet for anything with my name on it. So, it's literally got everything I've written. See, perfect. I was going to say mud bank, and I was like, that is not what it's called. Just fumble around. <laughs> mud bank is also <laughs> Let's have a mud bank. <laughs> I, I ate my Haribo cola things already. I can't eat on stream. <laughs> oh, oh, I've got Haribo in the kitchen. Ah, yeah, see? Well done. I, have fruit I mean, food, food's a whole other thing that I can get nerdy about. So. Same. <laughs> You just, you and Amanda would get along really well with the cooking situation. Mm-hmm. Both are really good cooks, I think. I mean, I've never had, eaten your food, Ed, but I mean, I see it all the time, and I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah, I don't, oh, I don't think I can bring anything to TwitchCon. No, 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 we're not doing that. We're here there for something fun. In your hotel room. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> This is this is a very bad advice. Don't cook anything in your bedroom, please. Cook mac and cheese on the iron. No. What? Is that, is that no. possible? According we don't want to find internet, it out. Yes. No, the internet I is mean, not the best. I mean, a cheese toasty, maybe. <sighs> it's like cooking an egg on a car cover of the thing, and that's also shit, so don't do it. It's not hygienic. We're not no. going to have a car at TwitchCon. We do. Mr. Oh, Whipple has a car. Oh, true. See, we Mr. can use Whipple. Mr. Whipple's car to... your to... car. <laughs> <laughs> we will Perfect. inform him shortly it before decided. it happens. <laughs> well, anyway. Or after. Or something. Thank you so much for spending your time with us this evening. And for sharing Thanks for how amazing me. you are. Thanks for listening to me waffle. You're not waffling. Anytime. <laughs> Two sides of a if coin. If that's waffling, you know, I would take it any day. Also, I really like waffles. 
Oh, I really want food, waffles yes. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do I. Okay. Let's all go get waffles, and we'll see you next week. No, in two weeks for another amazing episode of Keep Caring. Bye. If you like this episode of Keep Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Keep Caring and over on keepcaring.com.